1: This isn't
0: your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the
1: James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. Fear of making a mistake almost guarantees your mistake. Why is that? Because, you know, it, it paralyzes you. It's a it's, it's, um, game of chess. It's a game of choices, so you have to make decisions. How can you kind of um, hypnotize yourself in daily life to, uh, to avoid this fear? Uh, no, look, I think fear is always with us. This, this is, I don't believe when some you know people say, oh, you know, this man, this woman, they don't have fear. We all do have our fears. The question is how we can handle it. In the cases where you don't have a clear preference, you know, you go with your sort of natural instincts. I
0: want to do a brief intro here. This is, um, you know, I've done several hundred podcasts with all sorts of people. But if people ask me over the past several years, who is the number one or two person you would absolutely love to have on the podcast is Gary Kasparov, former world. You you were like number one in the world in chess for for 20 some years years. and world champion for for most of that. Uh, I've been following your career since... I don't know. 1982. Read your what is say? generation? Re, read fighting chess. Uh, I'm 2200 rated, so I always was. Wow. Track not <laughs> not you. Uh, I'm oh, a gnat. I'm an look, ant on the floor compared to you. But world chess champion for so many years, and you were for uh, a while the, the coach of the current world chess champion, Magnus Carlson. Now you wrote this. Your latest book, Deep Thinking. For the first time, you wrote about this. Famous, or I would say infamous, match from 20 years ago. Two matches. 96, 97. Two matches. matches. Deep Blue versus you. was the first time uh, a computer, and this one was owned by IBM, first time a computer beat the world chess champion in a match. And ever since the computer was invented, it was kind of considered... Iconic that if a computer could be the holy grail, holy grail. Yeah, it was the holy grail. If a computer could beat the world champion in chess, then there's AI. And you were there. You were you were the world champion at the time. I was the holy grail. You were were the holy grail. (laughs) And I want to say I was in the audience for that match in 1997. And in 1989. I was. You also office mates.
1: The, You also watched the match in 1989 when I played with this. Steve. I was. I was office mates with Fang Shu. Ah, so Feng Shui. I, was, ah.
0: I, I played on Chip Test before it was renamed Deep Thought. Yeah, and I would play against openings, you know, and and wow. on, on ah. chip test. so so I know all about from beginning to I, IBM offered me a job to work on Deep Blue, and wow. uh, <laughs> and I, you know why I turned it I turned it down because of a girl. I stayed in Pittsburgh. Big mistake. I should have worked on Deep Blue <laughs> and been part of the team that that won.
1: But this book was so interesting. Why'd you write it now, twenty years later? Oh, I mean, let's not mislead you know our listeners. You know, it's not just about Kaspar versus Deep Blue. You know, um, it's about you know history of what I believe the most important relations of the twenty first century. Humans and machines, and um, chess. You, know, you, you were right saying that from the very beginning of computer science, chess was seen by you know giants uh, uh, and legends as uh, uh, like Alan Turing and and Claude Shannon as the you know as the ultimate test. Yeah. If machine solves this test, means beating the world champion. That's a proof of artificial intelligence. Okay, who am I to criticize them? But they were wrong machine won this match, but it's, it was as intelligent as your alarm clock. Well, well that's just Ten, it. $10 million alarm clock, but still. You know, <laughs> it, but that's just it. Everything,
0: everything is sort of AI until it's done, and then they realize, no, oh, it's that's the, not real yeah, but intelligence.
1: It, yeah, you know, we can spend a lot of time, you know, discussing the semantics, you know, what is artificial intelligence, you know. D- does it mean that we have to, you know, replicate the process in human brains, or we should look, look simply at the result? And if machine reaches this result, you know, is it artificial intelligence by definition? or you know, it's still, you know, um it's still a big gap between the way the humans making decisions, you know, the rich conclusions, and machines, you know, okay, achieving somehow similar results. well, well, i want I want to reel back
0: just one second about your career itself. So obviously, you weren't born world champion. it it took work. And I'm very interested in just, uh, peak performance and what got you to this point where you were the holy grail. So, so you were born obviously s- talented, and your talent was recognized and early. You, you, you very early on. Um, but what then separated you out from, let's say, your your peers who may have been just as talented?
1: Like, what do you like? Just what would well, you look, say? Well, are the well, steps well, to well, slow down. It mean, is. Yep as talented is probably as in, in, oh. it's a, it's, a, it's a stretch <laughs> no i get it. i was i was lucky you know i was born in a family uh uh where you know chess uh, was kind of part of culture so uh-huh. my father and my mother they they usually spent their their winter nights you know looking at the newspaper uh chess sections you know solving problems so a few other relatives you know they play chess again an amateur level but chess was there as in many in you know um Intelligent families uh, in the Soviet Union, mm. uh, and also I was born in the Soviet Union. So when the talent was discovered, you know, I had an opportunity, sort of, to learn, you know, uh, to be taught by, you know, semi-professionals, then professionals. So the 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 framework for for my talent to be discovered and 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 uh, uh, to be polished, you know, was there. Uh, so that's that's you may call luck, uh, but. Um, the talent was quite unique, you know? So uh, since, you know, I, uh, since I discovered chess, you know, I moved very quickly, you know, just, you know, beating, you know, not only, you know, kids of my age, but, you know, older age. And by age 12, I was already the Soviet junior champion under 18. Hmm. So, um, you know, it was very natural for, for all people who helped me Starting of course with my mother. My father died when I was seven, but my mother spent her entire life, you know, helping helping me and 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 making sure that you know my talent, uh, uh, will uh, will um help me to 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 to, to reach the uh, to reach the, the very top of the world of chess. So, so not only in chess, of course. So so, so
0: would you say so so then um, I guess. She or the environment introduced you to Mikhail Botvinnik, who was a former world champion yeah, again, and you Yeah to get it's a,
1: it's, a it's a part of the, of the uh, Soviet chess system. So um, uh, the, people believe, and it's, they're, they're wrong in believing that chess was a part of the education of the Soviet Union. Actually, it was never part of education. Uh, that's what I, I've been trying to accomplish You know, after I became the world champion. I've been doing it now around the world. But in the Soviet Union, chess was viewed as a very important ideological tool to demonstrate, uh, um, to display the intellectual superiority of communist system over decadent West. So that's why, you know, um, there was a very sophisticated network uh, of searching for young talents. And when the talent is found, to make sure that this talent will not be wasted and will be given proper attention to, you know, just to go as high as possible. So at age 10, um, when I played for um, the team of my native Republic of Azerbaijan, uh, at the first uh, um, all-Soviet uh, youth games, and I was ten, and I played it at, uh, at, um, with with boys that were uh, fourteen and fifteen years old, and I did fairly well, and uh, I was noticed and uh, invited to Batwinik school, and then again my progress was fast, and uh, at every level I received certain attention that was required. That's why you know I could I could make this you know, this fast progress without wasting time, you know, for you know searching uh, uh while searching for uh, uh specific assistance. So so but there
0: was not just a talent at chess, there was also a talent at I mean you were also known as like one of the most prepared uh yeah, that's, world that, that's, that's 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 more
1: that's more about the style, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just I had an appetite for for analyzing, you know, chess games and looking deeply in the in opening positions. And of course working with uh, with my great mentor Mikhail Batwinik, the the former world chess champion who was a scientist, you know. Some chess players, they're artists. Some of them are scientists. Some of them are just, you know, just playing for sports. So some of them are, you know, a combination of all these factors. But Twinnik but was predominantly a scientist. And it, uh, it helped me to actually to uh, sharpen my analytical skills and uh, I, I had appetite, even now, you know, just age 54, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've retired for more than 10 years. I still have an interest, you know, analyzing the games, looking at, you know, other games played by top players. And, you know, just always looking for, you know, some revelations. So,
0: uh, I just want to ask, is it true uh, Bob Vinnick once trained by having, playing a match with someone smoking into his face? <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, it's the story. Yes, it's the Batwinik play played at a time, you know, just in in thirties, forties, and fifties, and early sixties. You know, when you know the, the smoking was allowed. You know, and this is the audience uh, could, could could get very you know excited. It could be a lot of noise. And again, this is part of Botvinnik's you know uh, Batwinik's preparation. He wanted to be prepared for every surprise, not only at the chessboard, but also around the chessboard. And one of the problem was that you know the, his opponent could, could smoke, could smoke. And uh, he wanted his his uh, assistant who worked with him and played his training games, another grandmaster, not just to smoke, but also have a very loud music. So to, he wanted to have as much disturbance as possible throughout the uh, the the tra- training process to make sure that at the crucial moment when he have to make the 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 vital decision that could decide the game or or maybe maybe the whole match, uh, he will be um, yeah, he will be well prepared and he will not be. Um, um, and you'll be undeterred. so it 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 reminds me of things you write about in this book. Uh,
0: so so your recent book, Deep thinking about the the match. but really, it, it reminds me of what you, uh when you describe the games, you don't just describe the games. you seem to also describe the whole environment around the match. So, so what is a computer? How do you play against a computer? but you didn't that's not the first time you've done that. obviously, your first world championship match against Karpov was very much, I have to ask about this. You were down what, 4050 five zero, zero. Five five zero, zero. and then you started this ingenious strategy of just drawing every game. And what was how did you consciously shift gears at that point? And you were you were a young guy, you were 22 years old. How did you consciously shift gears and were you scared of what was going to happen? Like what what was going no, through man,
1: your mind? No, it's uh, it's you may call it, a, you know, survival instinct. Uh, you know, uh, you start a match. You know, I was actually 21 when I started playing. Um, I was, of course, very arrogant. You know, I believed I had to win. I I was at that time probably as good as Karpov, but you know, being as good as the world champion is not enough because you have to beat the world champion. And I, I lacked experience of playing the world championship matches. It's a different aura, you know, there's a lot of pressure. So and that's why, you know, early in the match, you know, I played very poorly. When I just looked at the games later, you know, I was horrified by mistakes I made because let's say, game six, you know, I would have probably won the game, you know, finding this winning combination because it was my eyes closed, you know. But at the board, you know, when you have all this pressure, you know, and just you look at these, these options, you know, the clock is ticking, you know. It's, you know, it's mistake after mistake, you know. And Karpov was either very good, you know. He was, you know... um, you may call him, like, you know, the cleaner, you know. he Just every mistake, he just grabbed, you know. He grabbed all these chances. I've been throwing them, you know, right, left, and the center. Carpool was very good in picking them up. So, you know, after game nine, it was a 4-0. And I just realized, you know, just two more two more bad days, you know, because the match was played until Until six. Till, yes, until one, one player, you know, or would have won six games. So, I mean, what could I do, you know? Just uh, uh, either, you know, you could just try to... Uh, to, to rush, you know, let's die, you know, as a hero, but just you know, maybe win another game. But I thought, why why not, you know? I mean, let let Carpo win, you know. Why should I rush, you know? Why should I, you know, open up, you know? When you attack, you know, obviously you offer more opportunities for your opponent to to to, to for counter punch. Um, and also, I I could play the match uh, as long as I I I I could uh, by uh, by making draws, but also learning because it's 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 a learning it's a learning exercise and. I thought, well, I'm 21, you know, so if, even if I lose now, I come back three years later. At that, that time, the cycle was three right. years. But I could have this precious experience. But also, let, you know, let him win. And well, but think, that's like
0: an unusual strategy in your career at that point.
1: Absolutely unusual. That was like the first but, time you ever done but that. But that's, 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 that's about, sort of, you know, that's, you know, that actually worked, you know, um, uh, build my character. So, mm. again, all the components were there, but we all need a test. You know, an ultimate test. You know, you're facing, you know, this unsurmountable challenge. And uh, the question is, how? uh, Question is, how you you can um, meet this challenge, and how can you survive? You know, in this impossible situation. And uh, I'm. It's. It helped me many more times later on because every time I faced. A new challenge. Every time I thought, yeah, it's just it's impossible to overcome. I said, okay, what could be worse than five zero? Because it's, if if you look at the odds, you know, my odds to win the match to survive were, you know, I don't know, microscopic. You know, this is this right. is it's, it's against a the world champion. Like it wasn't just exactly, any player. Yeah, this, no, five zero. He because eventually Carpo won one more game. Yeah, and it's and uh, it's it it was just you know all lost. You know, so it's the I don't know the odds. You know, one two quadrillion (laughs) so but I you know um, I survived and I you know I I could feel during the match that you know with every game you know I was adding a little bit of confidence you know learning and you could also feel because when you spend so much time with someone you know just across the board you can feel your opponent's reactions Kurt was getting nervous you know it's okay it was you know we started playing in September by beginning of October he was 4-0 October ends November, he eventually, by the end of November, he got to 5-0, but then December, I won one game, then January, and, and I'm still there, and he's still there, and he's getting nervous, and, and the Soviet authorities, they were quite upset, because we were- he we, sort of represented them in yeah, some Yeah, but it's sense. also, we, we were playing in one of the, one of the most important halls in the Soviet Union you know mm. the halls of column in, in the center of Moscow and you know they didn't expect the match to go for so long because they, they were, it, the hall was needed for other, other you know mm. um ceremonies by the way some of the you know some of the members of uh Octogenetic Politburo they began to die and they, they 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 closed it you know once for the minister of defense you know who had to be you know at uh, this ceremony there you know when you know just uh, when he died so and and uh, Karpov promised that he would finish the match, uh, you know, at next day, next next week. But it went on and on and on. And at the end of January, you know, Karpov lost his patience. He made, you know, just, you know, pushed too hard. And I won game two. Then they were, we were kicked out from Hall of Columns, moved to another hotel in the suburbs of Moscow. And then I won game three. So, which was still, you know, 5-3. You know, if you look at the odds, still probably in Karpov's favor. But considering the fact that he couldn't win a game for three months, he was nervous, you know. How probably, many draws in a row were that? Oh, we forty draws. 40, That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's just you know we played for six months, and I you know I I was quite excited because look you know I had a chance you know five three is still long way to go but I just won you know two more games you know in within one week, and uh, and Karpov you know he looked psychologically exhausted because, you know, he you just couldn't, you couldn't contemplate, you know, why on, on earth, you know, he's still there, I'm still there, and he couldn't win the match. And then the Soviet authorities decided it's time to actually stop it, you know, and then started again in, in September. It was just a lot of, you know, maneuvering back and forth, I think I was on the verge of disqualification for my, you know, for my um, statements. I was outspoken, criticizing them. But then again, I was lucky. Remember, I said I was lucky. I was born in the Soviet Union, you know, and I got, you know, all this attention that I needed, you know, as a talented player. But then uh, it was Gorbachev, Perestroika, you know, so this, and eventually, you know, this is the the all this conspiracy just, you know, to defend Karpov out of the chessboard failed. And I remember, you know, well, after meeting one of the top uh, authorities, you know, in the, Com- in, in the Central Committee of Commerce Party, uh, in August 1985, I came back to our residence in Moscow. I said, "Mom, mom, great news! Now I can beat Karpov, they let me win the match." So basically, they said, "It's, it's, it's, it's not for us to inter- to interfere. You play the match. You know who wins." That's it, you know, that's so be. They actually told you that. Yeah, yeah that's told me that that's that's no longer, you know, the interest of the of the of the um, Politburo of the Communist Party. We are both Soviets. Uh, there's still, you know, Karpov had a lot of support even in 86, as uh, when we played the rematch, in even in 87, because you know, they had so, you know, um, such a deep-rooted support among KGB and, and Soviet authorities. But you know I, I I was already a world champion after won and eighty five and I could you know um I mean I could afford more than was uh, that 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 uh would be allowed for an ordinary solid citizen so so but but doing forty draws in a row against uh, who was then the
0: guy who was then the world champion that's not an easy thing to do either. like how do you kind of put yourself into a mindset, okay, I'm just not yeah. going to try for it I'm going to go for a draw.
1: no but it's yeah, you, know, you play safely you know again it's the it's something that inside of you it's either you can do it or you cannot do it but it's you have to survive you know and trust me when you have to survive you know you can discover a lot of you know things that you you you, you didn't know about yourself so it's just, and i what did you I, discover then i discovered that you know i could adjust you know mm. this is it's about you know um um uh, it's about evolution you know it's the it's uh, i think people you know they 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 often misunderstand you know the the concept of of evolution theory this is not about the strongest species to survive, not the smartest species to survive, but the most adaptable to change. Mm. So you have to adapt, you know, there's no other choice, you know, or you die. So in this case, you die as a chess player, you know, you will not win the match and then you will be kicked, you know, uh, uh, back to the candidate cycle. And of course, if you lose six to nothing, you know, that will be, you know, bleeding, bleeding, wound, (laughs) embarrassing. So you have to, you know, defend your, Chess owner, you have to defend your your integrity as the as as a great chess player, and you know you have to adjust. Period. And I did it, and I I said I, I learned a lot about myself and about my ability to adjust. And I also, I would point out that you know in two years later, uh, when we played another match, the 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 fourth match, because I, we were talking about the first one. Then we played the second. I won the second match. Actually, the, in the last game, game twenty four, because no more unlimited matches. They they already limited with 24 games. Um, I was, uh, was trailing me one point, 12 to 11, and he had to win the last game. And then in case of tie, you know, the world champion, you know, retained the title. And he failed. He lost again. Mm. In 87, it, the roles were reversed, you know. I was trailing because I made a terrible mistake in game 23. I lost it, and I was trailing one point. I had to win the game to retain the title, and I did it. And again, it's the, it, was, it was a pure psychology. Karpo and Moscow tried to attack. You know, because it's one game. He played; he was white pieces. He had to attack. He tried very hard, but you know, I defended and eventually, you know, counterattacked and won. Now I had a totally different strategy. I thought, oh, maybe my best chance, because it's it's after ten weeks of playing. You know, you have one game; you have to win. You know, uh, otherwise, again, you, you 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 lose everything that you gain over these years. What can you do with Karpov? So he expects you to rush to attack you. So why don't you play slowly? You know, just and just keeping keep keep. keep Keep going, you know. Just uh, because he's, you he, he want crisis, and you don't give him this, this this pleasure, you know. The crisis is being postponed, protracted, you know. And and he, he was looking for some kind of, you know, simplification. And he just, you know, he exchanged one piece, and position was getting a little bit worse. So he has been trying to force a draw. It's not me trying to force a win, but he's trying to force a draw. Which you know, oh, you always make concessions because you just you're you're in a rush, and eventually, you know, he um. He gave me a good winning chance, I missed the chance, but in time trouble, he missed the chance, the game was adjourned, and it was a 50-50 call. But again, he failed to defend position, which probably was defendable. Hmm. But I remember, you know, when, because at that time we had adjour- adjournments, you know, we, we adjourned the game, we played the next day, I had an end game with one extra pawn, but as I said, you know, it was defendable. And um, and I remember I was there at stage, you know, a couple of minutes earlier, and then Carpo walked in and I looked at his face and I knew already, because we played so many games, I knew already looking at his eyes that he, he didn't believe he could save the game. Mm. So just, you know, it's it, you know, he he was doomed. You know, it was it was written all over his face.
0: So I always wonder about this in, in every field, like chess, tennis, golf. The difference between number one and let's say number twenty is how much of that is psychology. Because obviously anyone who's 20th in the world. Is an incredible player in their field, um, but but what you describe there, you describe the whole match in terms of psychology, or not the whole thing, but a lot of it.
1: Yeah, but we're talking about psychology of, between the two world champions, right? Of players of the same status, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know there were some great players in, in in chess history that were so close but never made it. But you know, um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't even have this 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 uh, uh, drawing line, you know, between one and twenty. I would say it's probably it could be between one and five. One and five. So this it's 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 it seems that it's so close. But now just look at the current, you know, the uh, ranking in the world of chess is Magnus Carlsen, and then you look at at, at the generation of players you know, that's of his age or older. He's just he's totally dominant. The only threat comes from you know from younger players. So I would say it's uh, uh, Fabiano Caruana or Wesley So. So this is the two younger players, and it's. And it's it's still not clear whether they can beat him I think there's, there's a chance but you could see that this the world champion is just it's more than just you know it's the first among equals you know the somebody who is there you know and there were only 16 world champions we had the you know the uh, the longest uh, recorded history of the official title among any other sports since 1886 and there were only 16 world champions that tells you that it's, it's the title is more than just winning one one match you know even one tournament. The title is is about bringing something new into the game of chess. You can look at every of these world champions. And I wrote about my great predecessors, about 12 world great champions. Box, by bef- the way. Yes, yes, 12 world champions uh, before me. Um, and I wrote about my, all my matches with Karpov. and I haven't I haven't written anything about you know uh, my uh, successors, you know, like Vladimir Kramnik, Vishy Anand, and, and Magnus Carlsen. But each of the sixteen players brought something unique. It's about you know expanding the horizons. It's it's making game richer. And and by the way, you know, playing very much, you know, um, according to sort of to, to the um, Sort of cultural, scientific, social demands of the day. When you look at the playing styles of the world champions, you can always find similarities with the with the most sort of powerful and dominant uh, 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 trait of the um, uh, um, uh, of um, the modern life. Well, well, and and this will
0: segue into the deep blue versus you. But I remember uh, when you were. When you first became world champion, what you seemed—the the narrative of that story was Karpov. Sort of, he would, was very slow, positional style. Like you said, he would accumulate small advantages, but it seemed like he would be compared to kind of the octogenarian, you know, Soviet Union. And there was there was you kind of fighting, no, no, you know, l- you sort l- of represented the Gorbachev again, side. Let's let's,
1: but let's 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 separate, you know, political from you know, uh, 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 political preferences and affiliation with a chess style. Uh Magnus Carlsen is, you know, he's much closer as a chess player to Anatoly Karpov. So, mm-hmm. when you look at the style, and uh, that's why our cooperation with him was very, so successful. So, for Magnus, I spent more than a year with him when he was just, you know, just about to make this sort of the final jump, you know, uh, uh, leap uh, forward, you know, just to, uh, he was number four, five, you know, close, just to become number one. And, uh what helped, you know, um him and what was wh- why this cooperation was so productive is that he could learn from a player that had a totally different view uh, of, of of the game of chess. So just it's like I looked from a different angle. He could learn from uh, not from Karpov, who could be, you know, similar to the way he thought, Magnus Carlsen, but from Garry Kasparov, who you know, looked at the position and always had a sort of different idea, how you can... Like, what's a type of different idea? Like, like no, broadly uh, Broadly is that, you know, is it's, it's, it's in, in most of the positions in chess, you know, it's you have to make a decision based very much on your preferences. You know, it's the, it's not forced win or forced draw. You just have to make a decision and, uh, and it could, you know, change the nature of the position. So that's why, you know, if you look at, you know, position from, you know, carp of ice, you know, you'll say, okay, maybe I should go for, you know, no risk, but for the tiny, you know, tiny advantage, I could improve my pieces, you know, and then, you know, 10 years later, 10 moves later uh, uh, in in the late middle game or even in the end game, that could, you know, bring me some considerable advantage. Now, if you look from, you know, my perspective, say, okay, uh, maybe I should take a big risk, but maybe I should go with, you know, with, with the sort of big machete, you know, so just attacking immediately. By the way, it doesn't mean that players like Carpo will not attack or I will not look for, you know small advantages to be accumulated but it's just you in, in 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 it's it's in in the cases where you don't have a clear preference you know you go with your sort of natural instincts because you always try to create position and that's where yeah, by the way it's that what you know connects us you know to to, to the computer matches this it's the um, the way we play you know it's the um we always you know uh if you have to, two top players two world champions playing each other the winner will be uh, the player who succeeds in forcing his opponent to play the game which is you know more more of of his kind that's why i lost to vladimir Kramnik in 2000 year 2000. i was as good as Kramnik. you know in, in 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 years after after my defeat we played he never won a single game again you stayed me. number one in the world yeah, I stayed in number rankings. one in the world in ranking but you know in the match you know i pushed too hard you know just you know trying to actually you know, uh, um, refute some of the ideas that Kramnik brought in. By the way, extremely, you know, uh, uh, fertile ideas that are now dominating the opening theory, for instance, modern chess. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, just, you know, changing changing the, 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 the gear. So, I, uh, Kramnik was more flexible. So, I was well prepared on 90% of territory, but he found this 10%, you know, little island, you know, and I, you know, Okay, you may call it stupidly, but it's probably arrogantly. I wanted just to actually to demonstrate that I could actually beat him at this at this, you know, tiny piece of territory instead of trying to actually drag him into sort of the um into the wilds. So 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 this does segue into the Deep Blue match because
0: that was very much a match where Deep Blue just in its hardware. Could outplay you at your the best version of your game the tactical side the fighting side of your game like you you were nervous about getting into a, a highly tactical affair with it when the, even though that was your style uh, absolutely it, it forced you to play a different a, style it's a, very,
1: it's a it's it's a very important very important observation so I just for for the audience to understand that you know uh, I was you know I was at disadvantage because my favorite style you know was not you know, uh, the right approach against the computer. So, against the computer, you have to play what they call anti-computer chess, which means, you know, being a defensive, you know, actually waiting for a machine to attack to create weakness and then to counterattack. That's not exactly, you know, how Garry Kasparov played his his best games. Uh, but but before we move into the match, Ken, I want to emphasize that the the book is not just about the match. This is the, it's probably, you know, um, it's a hook for the audience, you sure. know. Uh, also, obviously, the publisher liked the idea that the book will be released at the day uh, the twentieth anniversary of the day when the second match was was uh, um, uh, open in New York in, in, in nineteen ninety seven. It's May second, but uh, um, you know, um, I wanted also in the book to um, um, to dismantle the mythology. Around the man and machine, and about artificial intelligence, because now all we hear is either some utopian views—oh, fantastic, phenomenal—it's just you know, it's it's all going to be great. But more likely now we hear these dystopian views, you know, just coming from great minds like you know Stephen Hawking or great inventors and and doers as Elon Musk. always. Oh, right, it's, it's almost it's, disturbing it, what they're it's, saying. It's, but go ahead. Sorry. But exactly, this is and it's and it's it 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 um. Uh, it's, it connects to people's minds because of, you know, we're a generation that, that grew up with Terminator. Now the next generation grew up with, with the Matrix. It's all about the horrors of artificial intelligence actually, you know, stealing, you know, everything from us and stealing our world from us. And um, and I try to also also to, uh, in the book, to um, to explain the things in, in a very simple language because some great books like, you know, Superintelligence by Nick Bostrom, but they're, They're very sophisticated, so it's very hard to read. So I tried to come up with a story that has a personal, you know, uh, component, big personal component, but also in a language where, you know, which helps people to understand, look, it's not something uncommon. The entire history of human race is inventing machines that are stealing our jobs. But for... Millennials, uh, okay, centuries and last decades, we saw machines, you know, getting more and more intelligent, but still, you know, taking over jobs from, you know, blue collar workers. Now now they're going after white collar workers and after people, you know, with Twitter accounts. So now we say, oh, wow, this is, it threatens the world. No, it's, this is the way the, the progress works, you know. It, machines, you know, getting more intelligent thanks to our, you know, our creativity, which makes us, in turn, more creative because we have to come up with something new. So it's a new cycle. But because now it it attacks, you know, intelligence, you know, like human brains, it seems oh, it's 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 a game changer. No, it is not. It's just you know, it's it's like a spiral. You know, it's a it's the same season, but again, it's at, on a higher you know level of the spiral. <music>
0: A very simple example, uh, and and this doesn't involve AI at all, but it does involve automation, is ATM machines. Everyone thought bank tellers would go away and bank, bank branches would go away. But in fact, because of ATM machines, it became cheaper to build a new bank branch, so now there's more bank tellers and think, bank workers than ever.
1: Exactly. This is so I, in the book I talked about. You know about uh, the elevators. You know, they, this, this, the, there was a union. One, Seventeen thousand operators, exactly, you mentioned. But, and you know, but then you know, people by the way were scared. You know, they were scared of you know of uh, of elevators, automated elevators that were available, by the way, from the beginning of the twentieth century. Mm-hmm. But people still preferred, you know, someone to operate the elevator. As now they're afraid of the driver's cars. Yeah. Uh, then what it took, you know, a, a strike. In New York City, you know that's, and then you know if, when you have to, you know, uh, go all the way up to the Empire State Building goes on an elevator. You understand? Maybe you know you should, you should, you should uh, 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 overcome your fear and then push the button. You know, right. so the, eleva- the these jobs disappear. Okay, some of them, you know, in in in, in concierge, uh, they're still working, but it's 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 a, it's a tiny drop of what it was before, uh, and uh, um, and I think it's again, it's this is a normal development of of technology. Uh, if if we have something really breakthrough, something very disruptive, it means it kills jobs before it creates new jobs. But now people are not happy because they want you know new jobs to be created, old jobs to be kept. Sorry, it's not going to be this way. So that's the that's the way capitalism works. You know that's the way the the free market works. You know you come up with new disruptive ideas, and you know you make many industries redundant. So so hypothetically, how do you? But see new, it play new out? jobs are being created because they're just. It's a problem who's going to take these new jobs you right know, and- so, so
0: so let's take self-driving cars as an example so people theorize it could be up to 90 percent of the auto industry just completely gone once there's self-driving cars out there how do you see it play out so that eventually those jobs kind of find their homes elsewhere uh,
1: the answer is i don't know and that's a good news i don't know that's the that means disruptive that mm-hmm. means breakthrough we all know it's as if we knew, you know, it would not be. It would not be disruptive. So that means that you know we have to get creative. You know, we have so many things that we drop because it's too, too risky. Maybe we have to start, you know, space exploration. Maybe we have to look, you know, under you know underwater, you know, deep deep water exploration. There's so many things we stopped in sixties and seventies because we saw, oh maybe it's too risky. Maybe we just you know we can we can be happy with 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 you know small you know incremental improvements because when we look at the at the technology that we're using today, it's Okay, it's it very, it's very, it's very convenient, you know. It's it's very handy, but iPhone seven is not Apollo seven, you know. It's the all our devices they're getting thinner, you know, shinier, lighter, but it's it's not breakthrough. So we 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 will be facing, you know, the, the same challenges that people hundred years ago. So when when they just saw this the the industrial revolution, you know, changing changing the face of the world.
0: Well, you can argue um, uh, the internet. Even though it wasn't necessarily a technological huge innovation, it did. It was a social innovation that, uh, combined with no, technology. By the way, it
1: was. It was this the problem is people believe it was invented in 1989, though the, so the foundation 70s. of internet. It, no, excuse me, in the 60s. It was a part of the DARPA project, and in 1962, Leonard Kleiner came up uh, with um, you know packet switching uh, theory, and in 1963, the scientists of of DARPA. Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. that's uh, working for U.S. government. They came up with a full description of internet, including Skype, voice over mm. IP. You know, mm. it is. It was all described by Dr. Joseph Licklider in his. It was in info, uh, in um, in um, uh, his concept of intergalactic. sick, intergalactic. You know, just I emphasize it. Computer network. I like how they think in these science fiction terms back then. But that's but <laughs> that's that's how they made things work, you know. I I you know, I had the privilege of 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 um, meeting and then speaking to to uh, to Professor Kleinrock, and I asked him how come that you were you know you were just not even thirty in 1962, he came up with this you know concept of machines talking to machines, you know, uh, just packet switching, and he said. You know, I was a big you know, fan of, of Nikola Tesla. And I, I had a dream, he said. Uh, I had a dream to make machines talking to each other. Mm. That's, you know, that's what we are missing today. You know, that's, that's, that's why, And you know, I just, I, I want people to, not to be afraid of this progress because there's so many things we can bring back if we start dreaming again. By the way, machines cannot dream, even in the sleeping mode.
0: Well, I think that's a big confusion too with AI is that they conflate computer achievements with human intelligence when they're not related at all. Like again, the way a computer was able to beat you was not by giving it human intelligence, but 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 improving the hardware to such a point that it could calculate as fast as potentially you could.
1: Uh, look, okay, uh, it's the regarding the match in in 1997, I always don't emphasize that ninety six I won the match, the first match we played I won. Then I made a huge improvement. I agree, and uh, and I'm very complimentary about the 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 the, the accomplishment. I'm highly critical of the way corporations run the match because IBM was an organizer, you know, the right. referee just, and obviously, you know, certain things they did during the match, they they had, you know, they had an effect, negative effect on, on Gary Kaspar as, as, as a human being, you know, just, you know, you because if you are, you know, losing self-control, if you are nervous, you know, then you are vulnerable and playing against the machine, you know, if you're vulnerable, you're dead. So, that's, that's every mistake we punished. Um, 20 years later, I spent a lot of time analyzing the games, you know, now it's, it's, to be objective, you know, that's the I played the match very poorly, you know, way under my ability to play a match at that time. I was not well prepared. I was wrong in my, you know, anticipation of the blue strengths. I have to admit that they made much bigger progress than I, I expected. Uh but still, you know, I think that if we played another match, the the rubber match, I would have won. Hmm. In that it doesn't mean that, you know, it could change, you know, sort of the 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 tide of history. It's, it was already writing on the wall. So right. this is, and by the way, you know, I lost the game one of 1996 match. And and we may say that's, you know, that's as important as me losing the match in 1997, because Machine could have won, you know, one game. Uh, it, it, right. it has won one, and that's enough, you know. Winning one game means Eventually it will win, you know, more than one game and it will win the match. And in the next few few years after 1997, there were there were other matches. Vladimir Kramnik played, I played other matches. You know, until 2003, 2004, we still could compete with, with, with um other machines. They were not as powerful as the blue in hardware, but they were far more sophisticated in software. They mm. had just, you know, better much much better engines. But it's it was it was like in you know, a competition a race against time. And today you know in i'm not sure about about uh your phone definitely on the ipad but maybe on your phone you can have you know a chess engine that is as good and even stronger than than the blue like i have a so, shredder on my phone of that's course yeah that's good. this you know uh, we I, I i worked with 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 my assistant and we checked you know uh the Deep blue games on 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 on, on um our laptops and you could see that it's this it's just the machines they are i don't know that's just Hundreds, hundreds points of elo, you know, stronger than than the blue. And and by the way, there's there's some mistakes that you know that I couldn't even expect. You know, the game five, which is you know interesting, is it's, um, it's it's the my last chance to win the match it was two two, and I I was pressing hard. Eventually, the Deep blue found like a miraculous way of saving the game, but. When you now look at this game with a computer, you just realize that it was full of mistakes from both sides. And Deep Blue made a mistake in endgame. It had, you know, both sides had rook, knight, and, 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 and uh, four pawns. And instead of forcing a draw, at, as being shown by every engine today, within a minute, Deep Blue spent more than a minute and made a move that was losing. Mm-hmm. So it means, they you know, that any computer today would have just, you know, uh, crushed Deep Blue in in, in, in this in the in in this roughly you know even endgame but it's it's a drawish in a, in a drawish endgame um, but, but the, it, it doesn't it doesn't get it doesn't change you know the 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 uh, as you said as the um, the import the importance of the uh, the importance of the match since you know they won and it's just yeah I played poorly I could have done better but it was a very important you know uh, step forward because it's it basically it reached a point. You know, where for Alan Turing and other, you know, giants of the past, the story was over. And we, by the way, discovered that it's not, because it's it, well, there's it always not new, about AI.
0: Right, and there's always new problems. Like, 10 years ago, facial recognition was a hard problem. Now, it's it's done. Like, computers can do it. 10 years ago, Go, the game Go, was a hard problem. Now, they beat the world's uh, best Go player.
1: Go is this... Go is... I'm not an expert on Go, so that's why, I. you know, you have to be... uh, uh uh, you have to be cautious in in, in, in accepting my uh yeah any any of my statements. Caution, caution noted. Caution, yes. It's sincere. see. <laughs> I I don't I don't have rights to speak with the same authority as 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 of the game of chess. But all I know about Go, you know, that the game is so complicated. You know, this this and it's 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 more difficult than chess to be to be cracked because it's not about calculation. This this more conceptual. But also the quality of human play in Go is much lower than than in chess. I mean, when it's much lower, than the world champion in chess, you know, um, it just you know plays again ideal. If we look, if we look at ideal moves, he's much closer to ideal ideal uh, uh, game of chess than, than a Go player because in Go you can have you can make mistakes. You know, since it's it's the game is so complex, um, and. Since the game is not as you know as um, steady as the game of the of 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 the world champion, so machine, which I think it's it's not as sophisticated as the chess engines, it still you know has as an uh, uh, upper hand because because um, machines are always you know they 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 play sort of the level game. It's it it has a, you may call it a steady hand. Mm. So that's why you know if you are playing if your game is uneven you know it's ups and downs you are very vulnerable. Uh, I don't. I think in Go, you know, the the world champion can play and he can he can keep losing. In chess, I think Magnus Carlson was white pieces, I think he could make a draw if he wants to. So mm. so so it's. But, but he probably can't win. No, no, win, win is win is win is almost impossible. I think it's just I would say ninety nine point nine percent impossible. Maybe if you give him ten chances, ten games, and tell him that it doesn't matter what happens in any game. If he, he he wins the match, if he wins one game, maybe he has a chance. Hmm. If he plays, you know, with just with, with all full, you know, uh, uh, rigor, you know, just you know, and and he's not afraid of losing, so then maybe he has a chance. But there's one thing that you know that 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 prevents humans of uh, beating machines in chess. Um, um, it's a level of accuracy that is required to win against a machine. Because even in the best games that we play in chess, you know, when I played with Karpov or Magnus Carlsen plays today with his opponents, Um, you can see the the, the great games, 50 moves, 45, good quality, four great moves. There's always one inaccuracy. I'm not talking about terrible blunder, even about a mistake, inaccuracy. Mm-hmm. which is almost unnoticed for human eye because, okay, it's, it's, it's like you know, gifts are returned. You know, so I make a mistake, you know, and you return the favor. Mm-hmm. And also, when, my, when your position is, is bad, so you, very often you're just losing your stamina. So, okay, it's bad position, so who cares how, how, you know, how good is your opponent in actually delivering the final blow? Not mm-hmm. with a computer. The computer doesn't care position is winning or losing. It just looks objective at every moment and it looks for every chance to escape. So that's why one inaccuracy could throw your, you know, 49 uh, uh, good moves, your, your six hours hard work. Uh, and it's, I think that this kind of vigilance is almost impossible for, 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 for humans. So that's why winning the game is highly unlikely. Making draws for the world champion in chess, doable. So, so you said
0: if, if you mentioned one thing though, you said if Magnus Carlsen is not afraid. So how at at that level, world championship level, how do you kind of almost I don't want to say hypnotize yourself, but how do you kind of psych yourself up to the right persona when you're at that level of, uh, playing?
1: Now, I, I, yeah, I want to emphasize again that what I said about fear, Mm. because, you know, uh, fear of making mistake almost guarantees Mm. your mistake. Uh, and… Um, Why is that? Uh, because, you know, it, it paralyzes you. It's… it's, it's um, you know, if… You have to… Make, game of chess is a game of choices. So, you have to make decisions. You know, every move is a decision. Okay. In the openings, you can follow the fa- the famous lines. You know, in the end game, you can just follow the sort of the the um, end game manuals. But in the middle of the game, you know, you're on your own. You have to make you know choices sometimes, choosing between you know roughly even options, and it's all, it's always about risk, you know, if, especially if you want to win the game. And uh, making decisions, you know, you have to be confident that your decision is good. And if you if you fear uh, that your decision is not good, if you feel that it, you know you can lose the game somehow, subconsciously, it paralyzes you. It just, it, it, it um, inflicts a damage to the to decision-making process. So that's why if you can actually remove the fear, that's why I said, playing machine, say, you play, doesn't matter. You have to win one game. You, it doesn't matter if you lose nine. But just as long as you win one, you won the match. That could actually change the equation because it could, you know, uh, unleash an amazing power that is inside, but it's always being, you know, restrained by our fear.
0: I, I kind of like this. How can um, I almost want to have this? Just walking outside, at, you know, out the door, and have that kind of power. How do you? How can you kind of um, hypnotize yourself in daily life to uh, to avoid this fear? Uh,
1: no! Look, I think fear is always with us. This, this is it's. I don't believe when some you know people say, "Oh, this man, this woman, they don't have fear." We all do have our fears. The question is how we can handle it. Um, I don't have a special advice so is the I do recognize our fears you know especially you know you, you you grow up you have families you have kids you know fear is is just you know it's 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 a normal element of our life but when you play you know it's the it's at that competitive level it's a competitive level that that's why it's impossible to play chess at my age, competitive level now, because you know you have so many other things. You know that you know your concentration on the same. You have other problems. You have fears. You know normally because you grow up. You know you have other responsibilities in your life.
0: Well, let let's talk about that. You you also recently wrote an excellent book. Winter is coming, and you. you it's about uh, Putin and Russia. You've been outspoken uh, as a kind of, a I don't know how you describe it, an activist Democrat in Russia yeah. against against Putin and his policies and, and many other things about how Russia is won. You even tentatively ran for president of Russia uh, shortly after you re- retired from chess. So, so
1: you know, is this more a part of your daily life now? Uh, no, my daily life, you know, is comprised of different components. So it's a it, it's um, writing on my social about politics, uh, but other things as well. So, also writing books um, is also, you know, quite a significant chess component. Because uh, um, I keep building, you know, uh, uh, and uh, um, spreading around the world, Casper Chess Foundation. It's a 15th anniversary that we started the first one in the United States. Uh, and I can proudly say that now uh, the U.S. junior team under 18 is, a, is the best in the world uh surprise surprise it's just you know you you keep working with these people there's plenty of talent and you just find this talent and if you you know invest your time and resources so you you actually reach re- results similar to what was in the soviet union 40 50 years ago um and we have other foundations in africa in europe in asia in in, in mexico now we just opened one in paris in francophonie uh and uh, you know that takes time you know so I'm, I'm i'm trying to actually you know build my legacy in the Wall of chess you know in, in bringing chess to education, but also creating a new rating system and a network of competitions, bringing sponsors. So I'm not actively engaged as a chess player, but I think, you know, I have certain responsibilities of making it work.
0: What do you think, um, how does chess and education in general benefit kids? Because it seems like there's many benefits. What, are, what do you see as... Uh...
1: I think it's one of the one of the best tools to um, sort of enhance the, um, the uh, modern educational system because, you know, we live at a time when it's much less relevant what you teach kids rather than how you do it because you know if we if we agree that education is about you know preparing our kids for the future life you know this is and they at age you know eight nine ten and 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 and, and as a teenagers they have to learn something that will be useful for their lives now how can we be sure that what they're learning today will be relevant because most of the professions and new professions that they will be seeking fifteen years from now don't exist. And by the way we even don't know what would be you know what would be right. the most what would be at, at, at the demand you know 15 years from now since many of the of the best paid jobs today didn't exist 50 years ago. It, it's so, so true just the
0: other day I saw a job uh, a help wanted ad for a self-driving car engineer. Like five yeah, years but, ago, but that would have been a science fiction yeah, but 3D, job. <laughs>
1: but what about these three D printers? You know, yeah. this is the the this, the social media managers. You this. Most of these sort of exist this, uh, um uh exciting jobs today. They, you know, they are products of twenty first century. So we should just, you know, realize that it's very important to actually make kids, you know, um, uh, adjustable to these new challenges. So it's it, it's all about algorithms, about patterns, recognizing patterns, seeing the big picture. And chess is perfect. You know, it's all about you're learning how the move that you make on the queen side could affect, you know, something that happens on the, on, on the king side. And also it just, you know, it's it it's it's the best training for cognitive skills. It's you know it's it's it, it's a very general thing that you know helps them to absorb this information and and you know build these patterns and bridges, connect things. It's about connectivity. So um, and one more advantage. So it's, it's inexpensive. You don't have to build a swimming pool, a soccer field, you know, a tennis court. It's you know, it's a part of the of, of the classroom, and it it could be connected to computers. So it's um it's 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 a, it's an ideal tool, and we have been very successful in promoting it. You know, in in, in the most advanced uh, uh, schools in this country or in Europe, and in the most sort of desolated areas in Africa.
0: So the, it seems also there's kind of the, the meta aspects of learning something like chess, like there's a discipline. Like how yeah. when you were young, how many hours a day did you study specifically chess? No, but
1: discipline, of course, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a hard work. But we don't, it's, it's you know, this is, you know, we're already probably moving to the semi-professional side of that. But if you talk about a social effect, uh, you know, I can tell you that in, in in places, you know, as I mentioned in Africa, you know, uh, you could see the drop of the absentee rate. Because kids are excited, you know, they go to the school, they they something, exactly, they play. So it's, it's it has a social effect. Also, you know, in many places, it's again, uh, in this country or in, in, in other, you know, um, parts of the develop, uh, uh, developed world, it's hard to imagine that before you actually start teaching kids, whether it's in Africa or or, or, or in in many parts of Asia or Latin America, uh, especially in Africa, where we had plenty of experience because that's one of the most you know, successful foundations, kasparov's foundations. And I personally traveled across the continent. I visited 22 African countries. So, mm. uh, and I know we just did it's first-hand experience. You have to convince these kids that education has a value. Because here, you know, it's, 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 the kid goes to school because his father, his mother, they went to school. Their, you know, uh, mothers and fathers went to school. So, this is, you have already generations that, you know, that know that school is 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 a part of the of, of the of the routine you know? now you are talking to people that you know that's, that's, that that never had education as a part of the of their life you know so it's the most of the parents of these kids you know they they never attended schools and uh, you know they god knows if they can you know they don't know how to write so you just have to convince these kids that education has a value for them so that's why anything that makes them excited is very important you have to you drag them in so you have to explain very simple things, you know, like up and down, right and left, you know, concept of center. So many things that we can do with chess, you know, as the as a, it's a good, you know, it's it's a colorful way of you know of entering the educational system. And then again, God knows what happens, but it's very important that they they have an appetite to actually become educated. So so you know, it, it, there's a, there's also
0: the aspect of having a coach or a teacher. So again, in education, there's there's a teacher, and you mentioned the effect you had on Magnus Carlsen, you mentioned Botvinnik's effect on you. What's the role of, like, if you never had a coach like Botvinnik, or if Carlsen never had a coach like you, is there a, a cap? To, like, does everybody, to reach their potential, do people need a mentor or no, a coach?
1: We're talking about professional chess now. We're talking about professional, yes, professional but
0: professional. But, for, but in any area, really.
1: Yeah, but in any, in, in any area, to reach your potential, you know, you need your mentor, so that's... Uh, It goes without saying, even at the age, at the digital age, you know, though, of course, we have to admit that today, you know, a young player can learn, you know, more about uh, um, uh, more than Bobby Fischer ever knew about chess, you know, in in, in a year or two by just, you know, working with computer and uh, and with this very average assistant. Uh, But in order to reach your potential, especially if we're talking about, you know, someone like Magnus Carlsen, who is, you know, destined to go to the very top, uh, you need uh, you need help, you know, like. It's from generation to generation. That's what I learned from Botvinik. You know, this it's the way, you know, he looked at the position, the way, you know, he, he analyzed it. So it, it helps. It's a very general advice. It sounds, you know, trivial. Oh, it's an advice. But, you know, it's, there's, there's always, a you know, piece of wisdom. And it helped me that I, I worked with Botvinik, but I also, you know, was close to other great champions as Boris and Antigran Petrosian, and I learned. And uh, and now I you know I I've been doing it for years you know I think it's also my duty you know just to uh, to pass this information to pass this knowledge this wisdom from those you know the giants of the past you know the, 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 by my great predecessors to those that 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 are now you know just trying to conquer the the highest peaks of uh, the chess world.
0: So so you know just to. Uh to close this off, I want to mention the, on the political side, you know, this morning, um, obviously, e- even though this podcast is going to come out, you know, a few weeks later, uh, this morning there was an explosion and or maybe two explosions in St. Petersburg. Uh, you came in here, you were getting texts about it. Uh, what's just your, you know, given your, your stance on, on Putin, how does this fit into your, your, your stance on, on what's going on in Russia right now?
1: Look, uh, what, and we're, Trump saying, and all what that. we're seeing in Russia now is that you know, Putin is desperate to stay in power. He knows that, you know, he can't leave Kremlin and retire. So there's, there's too much blood on his hands. Too much money has been stolen. So he's the dictator for life. I've been warning for years, I guess more, for, for more than a decade, that eventually Putin will be everybody's problem. Because when dictator runs out of enemies inside his own country, he goes elsewhere. And that's what Putin did, you know, now to stay in power in Russia, he needs to keep, you know, Russian population in fear of, of problems uh, that could, you know, jeopardize their lives uh, for them not to realize that he is, you know, so the, the, the main problem that is, is, is preventing uh, them of, of getting decent lives. And uh, Putin, made, uh, Putin has made confrontation with the, with the free world, especially with the United States, as a core element of his domestic propaganda. And uh, for those who believe that, you know, if you make enough concessions to dictator, you know, he'll leave you alone. No, he, he will go everywhere. He will keep creating new uh, hotspots on, on, on the map, new, new problems, you know. After Ukraine, he went to Syria. Now, most likely to Libya. He has been interfering in elections across Europe and, of course, in, the, in, in this country because confrontation is what helps him, you know, just to create chaos. And chaos is very important for dictator because he hates United opposition. He hates, you know, strong organizations like NATO, European Union. He wants to divide, which is, mm. again, it's, just, it's, it's as old as this world, you know, co- divide and conquer. And he's very good. He's a KGB guy. He's not a military dictator. He's a KGB guy, you know, creating, you know, chaos, creating instability, creating suspicion, you know, blackmailing, bribing. Uh, he has enormous amount of money at his disposal, you know, uh, Hundreds of billions of dollars that he could, you know, channel one way or another, and he's not shy of buying favors and uh, uh, of politicians, from business people. You know, we heard already comments that if you try to, you know, um, um, undo, you know, Russian uh, um, malicious influence in the financial system in the West, it could, you know, it, it could kill all the markets because there's so much money that is just, you know, in, in different places that that, you know, um, help Putin to uh, promote his clandestine agenda. And of course, we know that KGB, you know, uh, from 50s and 60s uh, helped different terrorist organizations. Using terror was very much a sort of KGB signature you know, to, to um, uh, promote uh, uh, their the Soviet agenda at that time. And uh, Putin still has an answer to the very, you know, um, serious accusations of uh, apartment bombing in Russia in 1999 mm-hmm. when, it, you know, he started Second Chechen War. And it it paved his, 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 his way to power. So it is, it created Putin Putin the fighter of terror uh, against terror. Putin um, Putin the uh, the of Russia from from the Islamic radicals and uh, all the terrorist attacks we had. You know, at in, in, from '99 to 2004, uh, what was left at that time of Russian independent media reported that you could see a KGB. Uh, um, uh traces there so uh, you could you, you could see the connections so that this uh, people who were involved they somehow you know uh, uh worked worked either with KGB or, or 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 had these connections and as for the explosion in St. Petersburg today um as we're recording it look it's a moment where Putin needed some kind of destruction again I'm I believe in presumption of innocence, though, of course, in, in case of Putin, you know, as many dictators, you know, I think it's, it works the other way. So it's the, it's the, um, the benefit of the doubt, you know, goes, uh, goes against him. Um, but Putin, first, uh, first time in many, many years, faced a massive demonstrations in Russia in, 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 that involved uh, the new generation. And I think that was a shock for him, you know, with tens of thousands of Russians in marching in the streets. And some people say, you know, what is a tens of tens of thousands? It's a lot because it's not something that, you know, you could do, you know, without any harm for you. So here you can have, in you know, a million people marching and police protects you. In Russia, you go on the streets, police is against you. So that's the- or well, you've even been in the streets- I've been and, and, arrested, beaten, you know, yes. spend the time, days in jail. So, but at that time, you know, that was, like, it was an easy going time, quote unquote, because I could spend five or 10 days in jail today for the same quote unquote crime, just for dist- what they call disturbing public order, you can spend five or ten years in jail. Mm. So this is, in ten years, you could see you know what has happened in Putin's Russia. So that's why I uh, think that it's it's the we can we can suspect that the uh, the this attack in Saint Petersburg was another product of, of of KGB because you know it helps Putin to promote his agenda in Russia. I believe you know soon we'll see. Uh, sort of new draconian laws, you know, just uh, uh, limiting what what's left of, of um, freedom, individual freedom. I, I think that they will, um, they will impose new security measures. Also, I think it will help Donald Trump here to uh, uh, sort of, um, uh, to brush off the uh, Kremlin gate to all these accusations and to start talking again about cooperation with Russia against uh, radical Islamic uh, uh, terrorism. Um, again, again, we don't have any proofs, and I, I'm afraid that we'll not find the truth about Putin's crimes as long as he stays in power. So we will not, we'll not find out who actually ordered the murder of Boris Nemtsov, my late uh, um, uh, friend and colleague and ally, one of the most prominent uh, and brave Russian politicians who was murdered uh, uh, two years ago um, in front of Kremlin, Kremlin's gates. Um, but... Do you ever get worried you're Gonna, um... I live in New York. I mean, it's this, 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 it was not my first choice, but for four, it's four years. Four years since I, live, I left Russia. I live in New York with my family. And, uh, you know, people keep asking me, you know, can you go back to Russia? My answer is, yes, I can go back to Russia, but it'll be a one-way trip.
0: Right. So, so okay, Deep Thinking by Gary Kasparov. A uh, great book about artificial intelligence plus your personal
1: stories and, as and, and it's how to overcome your fear about artificial intelligence. you know this is just you have to treat. Right. We have to treat human progress as something inevitable, you know, when if it's raining, you know, you can complain about it or you can buy an umbrella. You know, it's not a one-dimensional story. This is not, you know, this is nothing linear. you know, this is not you know that, oh, you know, I read the book, I read this article, and I know everything. This is, again, this is it's more it's more psychological. So this is all about us, you know. Again, fear. You know, we should not fear science. We should not fear progress. You know, even if it may threaten us directly or indirectly. You know, maybe we can lose a job, or maybe we'll not, we're not sure. You know, how we can you know advance uh, in some of our endeavors. Look, you know, there's there are always ways. You know, so it's the. What's a
0: technique for thinking about how to adapt? Because obviously you've been doing it, but but the, the average person who's who is scared, what do they what do they do?
1: Look, I again, it's the it's it's. I know the the and I actually mentioned in the book the um, the the thought that you know that is even if I lose as an individual you know the human race wins uh, you know uh, 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 as an, as a whole entity I mean it's it's it it doesn't warm you up right. I understand it but um, you know we are we all benefit from progress because you know we have all these devices you know in our pockets or in our purses you know that helps us to you know to learn more about the world. You know, just think for a moment that we have so much power, you know, in our hands, you know, in just ha- keeping a hand in our palm. It's a thousand times more than the United States uh, um, had at the time when uh, NASA had when America's landed on the moon. So with so much power, something can be done. You know, this is i don't know exactly what you can do but there's a lot you can do because there's so much power is given to the individual and it's very important that we are not you know wasting these opportunities we're not complaining you know we just you know we should be optimistic and we should always overcome our fears
0: great well thank you once again gary for for coming in deep thinking by gary kasparov it was a great book and also was a big reminder for me because i just remember being in the audience watching and i and i and again i remember 1989, when Peng Shu was building the predecessor to Deep Blue, I was it's there. Mentioned, so. It's
1: mentioned in the, in, in the book also. You know, all the Deep
0: stuff. Thought. 1989. I remember it well. So thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you.